the power that you feel with a gun and a recoil is also a metaphorical power going back into your body that I have visually seen in women. And it is the most empowering, uplifting feeling as an instructor. I've had multiple women express that to me and not only express it, but I have seen it. Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire. Podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching, and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one coaching, which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp, and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical, and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. Today I have two guests. I have not yet had two guests on at the same time. And so we are switching it up, but there are reasons for the behavior and you'll find out why later. So I have two guests. My first guest is Paige Rue. She is known on the internet as Some Chick Who Shoots, and she is a firearms instructor in Arizona. She is a contributor to Turning Point USA and the host of Reloaded. And then my second guest is Tessa Booth, who is the owner-operator of the YouTube channel and Instagram account and website, et cetera, Armed and Styled, which her content is wildly educational, and it is about all things handguns, from concealed carry choices to safety to storage to styling to optics and ammo prices and more. And if you couldn't get the gist by now of what is going on here, these women like guns. (laughs) A little bit. We are here today to talk to you guys about their journeys with them, why it's important to them, and maybe just create a little bit of empowerment. So hello, girls. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Hello. I am stoked to have you guys. So I like to intro the episode with like the how we met. And I think that this one is really, really special because it was a special event for each of us. And so we met at the Rose Retreat put on by Six Hour and Lena Michalik in Nashville, Tennessee. So 
None of us knew who one another were. No, you two knew one another because y'all are actually in the industry. And everybody's like, why is Claire here? Uh, <laughs> like we like her, but like, what is she doing here? So we met at this event, which I just had the wonderful fortune to get to attend because of my relationship with 5.11 Tactical, which is just an absolute gift from them to include me in this. And the event was about Sig Sauer's new weapon, the Rose, which is a concealed carry weapon for women. And it's a whole program and all this stuff that Lena, who is an eight-time world champion shooter, has created. And so such a cool thing. And so we had the opportunity to meet one another there. And the reason that I've asked these two girls to be on here today, there were a lot of good options. And let me be clear, the women there were badass. So like anybody could have been great. But you guys, there were just things that like one were relatively similar in age and you both have like totally different styles and totally different just personas, honestly. But your mission seems to check out and be super in line and how you approach it is different and your stories are different. The way that you dress is different, all of it. But like you're badass women being badass women. And so that's why I wanted to have you on here. That's how we met. And so let's just launch straight in to, I want to ask you both, what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Because I'm coming in brand new, neither one of you are at all. And so if we look back to that, that was just a handful of weeks ago, what was the biggest takeaway that each of you had from getting to be a part of that experience? Tessa, do you want to go first or me? No. Okay, I'll go first. I'm a full-time firearms instructor. I mostly teach women. It's fun to see the different backgrounds of even my students coming in when I'm teaching classes or private lessons. But going to the Rose Retreat, my biggest takeaway was it was even more eye-opening of all of the different avenues women are in, but we can all relate in some way. And whether that was about firearms or whether that was about an embarrassing moment, which we talked about at the Rose Retreat, we came together like that because of the Rose Retreat. I wouldn't have met any of you girls. Obviously, I knew Tessa before, but I wouldn't have met any of you girls if it wasn't for the retreat. So the biggest takeaway for me was the importance of diversity in any group and how powerful that is. Because when I went into this, I don't know if Sig told you guys, but Sig did not tell me who was coming. It was just like, show up. And I didn't know how many women were going to be there. I was under the assumption that it was going to be a lot of women in the industry, which I was excited slash nervous slash not excited for, (laughs) because it could either be really good or really bad. I had to be vulnerable. I had to show up and all of us had to be vulnerable in that state. But it was very just cool and empowering to see all of these women from all different avenues. You know, Claire, you're like, I just was asked to come. That's amazing. And so SIG pulling women from all of these different walks of life into one room or one area for three or four days, like that was the absolute biggest takeaway and the importance of diversity. You know, it's not about what I look like. It's not about how Tessa dresses. It's every single woman is going to have a different experience with firearms. Is that long? No, I love (laughs) it. Hey, this is a podcast. We got time. (laughs) Uh, Mine won't be that long because I don't know if I have quite that many thoughts (laughs) or rather that I don't know if I can put them all in one place at one time. So going into the Rose Retreat, I think we all kind of went to the Rose Retreat with like a different mindset, if that makes sense. Like we all were coming from different places. And like you said, you're coming from a place of being a firearms instructor. 
I don't teach people how to shoot. I'm not a firearms instructor, but I would consider myself an expert in the field of concealment. I kind of went into the Rose Retreat as somebody who spends a lot of time and a lot of hours and a lot of cost on training. I make it a habit of being a student. And so going into the Rose Retreat, I was really curious about what the Rose Retreat was going to be. Being that like I have a YouTube channel and I talk about these things, I share videos with both men and women about these topics, right? About guns and concealed carry. And I knew that people were going to come to me and ask me, what do you think about Rose? What do you think about this whole thing? And so I went because I wanted to be able to offer people the best, most informed answer when they asked me that question. What do you think about Rose? Is it worth the cost? And my biggest takeaway, I would say, was probably somewhat similar to Paige's in that I just really enjoyed getting to meet such a wide variety of women in all completely different places in their relationship with firearms. Like I talked to women who owned a firearm that was gifted to them 15 years ago, and they have not picked it up or touched it since, and they were afraid to, right? Mm -hmm. So we have people on that end of the spectrum, and then we have people like Paige, right, that are teaching women all the time. A huge takeaway for me was just getting to see all of these different women from all these different walks, take in the same educational content and kind of see where they wound up afterwards. I will say that there were some things about some of the training and some of the things that we learned at the Rose Retreat that I think they could have done so much better. And I really hope that they do like make some changes and do so much better. So some of my takeaways were negative too, right? Mm -hmm. So I had some really positive takeaways, especially with like getting to know the women. That was huge. They did an amazing job of creating this environment where all of us women that are like all so different could just enjoy each other and enjoy getting to know each other and feel comfortable with each other and feel comfortable learning from one another. But I think that when it came to a lot of the really important educational content, I think they missed the mark in a lot of ways. And so I kind of took away from that information that I can pass on to other people but also how I can teach concealment to people going forward, right? I got to watch them teach concealment. And that was a takeaway for me as somebody who teaches that, right? Okay, this is something I will not replicate, or maybe I will replicate this thing, right? So that was yeah. that's my general takeaway. No, I love it. And of course, I came in as this like, you could have said just about anything. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then in hindsight, I'm like, God, I really did get taught by like, that girl knows what she's doing. Uh, what was it, it like for you? You don't was, come from a good background. No, it was such a gift. And I will say, I just want to say real quick before answering that, that Tessa, I think it's so cool that you feel comfortable enough with your voice to say that because it could be really easy to just be quiet or complimentary, period. And I believe that clarity is kindness. And I think whenever you deliver constructive criticism and say, hey, these are areas that you crushed and these are areas that could be improved, that's a gift. And so for you to be like comfortable enough and willing to say that, even if it is uncomfortable, is really, really cool. And it's a gift to them as well that you actually have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I just want to like point that out that I think that that's cool. As far as what it was like for me, girls, I was like, what? (laughs) Was that like drinking from a fire hose? It actually, so I mean, thankfully I have shot firearms a number of times and I do own one that I shoot, you know, not super regularly, but I'm definitely like more comfortable with it than I guess after that experience, I would say than honestly most, but it was very educational for me because we have such a low level for me. And so I really, of course, like it was a really cool experience. I also had no idea what to expect. I got the invitation and I said, 
<laughs> Hold up. You want me to just be a guest? <laughs> like, I'll do it. But had no clue. I even actually arrived the first day and we didn't know how many people were going to be there. No clue, right? I didn't even, I just like went, checked in, went straight up to my room. Had no idea that like there were humans waiting on me that like knew <laughs> that I had like landed and were like, where is she? And so I'm just bebopping around and then Brie with 511 was like, sweetie, did you check in? I'm like, what? I mean, and then they knew my name and I was like, oh, yeah. oh, this is like wildly intimate. So anyway, <laughs> it was just an all around really, really everything about it was really cool. And I think the biggest gift that I got from it was simple empowerment. That if you yeah. spend enough time with a woman teaching her or a human enough time teaching them enough things about the way that this machine operates, then you give them the gift of empowerment. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of fear, literally, the, and you guys know this far better than I do, but the image of a gun makes people uncomfortable. You know, just giving enough tools, although Tessa, like you said, it could be improved upon, it was sufficient enough for me to walk away from this thing going, hang on just a second. I could F around and like be good at this, <laughs> you know, which is super exciting. Like, I think that's literally the goal. I've been doing tactical games. Exactly. We're going there, but we're not going there yet. Okay. So, <laughs> so I want to ask you both, let's take this back real quick. And I want to know from each of you, what was your entry point to firearms? Because that looks very different for both of you. And I kind of want the listener who doesn't know you yet to know how did you get here? Like, why did you get into this thing? Tessa, I'll let you go. Okay. How did I get into firearms? So I grew up in a household that had guns but I never got to shoot them. I never shot a gun until I started dating my now husband, probably back in like 2016. He'd been competing. He'd been doing USPSA competition since he was probably 12 or 13. And at the time he was on the pistol team at the military academy. So he was shooting a whole lot. It was a huge part of his life. It continues to be a huge part of his life. As we kind of got to know each other more, fall in love, get engaged, get married, do all those things we pick up and move to a different state together and I get to see and live with this person who like lives and breathes guns. He's, you know, wanting to do competitions on a regular basis and asking the wife to come to the range with him and being the, you know, newly wed loving wife that I was, of course, babe, I'll go to the range with you. But I just, oh man, I was not a fan. I didn't like it. It was like the recoil. I think he had me shooting like a Glock 19. Like it wasn't like it was a, a scary gun or snappy or anything like that. I didn't like it. I didn't like how loud it was. I didn't like that. I knew it could hurt me and I didn't know how to stop it from hurting me like, or what I could do to make it hurt me. It was just a complete unknown explosion in my hand. I continued to be supportive and go to the range with him, but I was scrolling on Instagram in the car. It was just not an interest of mine until we moved again and there was a shooting that killed quite a few people at a grocery store that I was in like a regular person at this grocery store. I easily could have been there is what I'm saying. And that was like a huge wake up for me. Basically, when that happened, I thought to myself, this is a problem that is like in the world today that I could be faced with severe danger, right? And what's the answer to this question? Basically, how do I mitigate myself becoming, you know, a victim? What's the answer to this question? And the answer was to be proficient with a firearm and carry one. And I think that the answer for me was that because the person that I love the most in the world had asked themselves that same question. And they answered that question with, I will be proficient and I will carry a firearm in order to protect myself and my family. I think that I wound up making that decision for myself because the person I love the most in the world had already made that choice and it made the most sense to me. So that's how I 
kind of got into guns. It wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. It was more or less like homework to me. It was like, I have to carry a gun. And if I'm going to carry a gun, I should probably learn how to shoot it. So that's my intro into carrying a gun. I love it. That's going to be wildly relatable for so many people. So thank you. Mine is not very relatable, (laughs) but it's an interesting story. So I grew up in this industry. Think of like, you know, when you're going to school and you have a friend who's like, oh, my parents own a restaurant. And after school, I just go work at the restaurant. And hey, if over the summer, over high school, if you want a job, you can also work at my family's restaurant, but replace restaurant with a shooting range. And that's my life. (laughs) In Phoenix, my dad was military and law enforcement. And he purchased a shooting range called Shooter's World in Phoenix. And I literally grew up there. I had a playroom upstairs because he couldn't afford daycare. And they just sent my brother and I upstairs. And I watched my dad sell guns since I was like four. And it was like, it was just normal to me. You know, guns were normal on the weekends. My dad patented a lot of body armor for big companies. And so on the weekends, I would go over to his house and At six years old, he has body armor laid everywhere, you know, coming up with different designs while I was eating breakfast. That was my life. Not totally relatable, but I was a total girly girl. I did dance, gymnastics, cheer, and dive. Like, I wanted everything girly, every pair of heels, hair, makeup, all of it. And then on the weekends, I would go to gun shows and make some money with my pink gun and my pink shoes and my pink shirt. And that was my life. And I didn't really, guns weren't my passion. The community that I had growing up was my passion. And I was actually going to school right after high school. I went to school for hospitality management and event planning. So I either wanted to work at a big hotel or plan weddings. And I did that for a little bit. And then I was also teaching women's classes at our shooting range. We now have three locations. And I was doing it honestly just to make extra money because as a college kid, I was like, I can make double doing this. So why not just teach a couple classes on the weekends? And I found, I started my Instagram because a group, one of my students, one of my classes were asking for concealed carry options. And this was in 2018 at the time or 2017. So they're asking for options and ways that I can help or platforms. And when I started my Instagram, there was not a Tessa. There was no one on the internet doing concealed carry for women in a way of let me test and just give you my input on it. So I said, screw it. I'm going to do it. I have no idea what I'm going to call it. I'm just a girl who shoots or some chick who shoots, which is how I came up with my name. Very thoughtful. I know. Uh, (laughs) Now it's my brand. So I'm happy with it. Mine happened Uh, too. I chose my name in an afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. I was sitting there, I will not tell you how much wine was consumed, but I was sitting there by myself (laughs) on YouTube trying to find things. And I was like, this isn't working. There's no one out there doing this. I guess I'm going to do it. I don't know if I'm ready for it or knowledgeable enough for it. I was scared, honestly. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to jump in and we'll see if it helps one person. I always say if it helps one person, I'm happy. Then I think everything kind of started angling that way. And my platform started growing. And in 2020, obviously events weren't a thing. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I actually dropped out of college and became a full-time firearms instructor because gun sales were through the roof. 2020 was the highest gun sales in history. And so my family needed help. And I turned into a 
full-time fire instructor, the training coordinator for our company, working on curriculums because I didn't like the ones that we had. And just realizing that, okay, I started with this concealed carry aspect, but really the firearm teaching and the educating and empowering people, yes, mostly it's women, but men and women, that is where I just found home. And it's so crazy that that's, that's my life. I could be an event planner right now, but mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I have a gun wall behind me. That's honestly, that's how I got into it. It's so crazy. I never grew up thinking, oh, I can't wait to own my dad's store. I'm just going to sit here and wait until he's ready to pass it on. If that happens, great. But I found this, my own avenue in the firearms industry where I'm able to be with my family and work with my family and have this legacy that my family has, which is incredible. Yeah. I think it's so cool. I love the (laughs) differences here. It's just so awesome. I want to ask you guys, I do think that, you know, I'll say my perspective is simply just that the reality is the day before the event that we went to in Nashville, something else happened in Nashville. And it was a shooting that was very public at a school. And the body cams from the officers that were involved were available very quickly. So we were able to see the footage from their perspective of what occurred. And it appeared from mine eye, which mind you, I am so green here, it's not even funny, but that they handled it pretty well. And the officers themselves like made quick work of finding the situation as soon as they could. And in the meantime, so I watched this. I'm here for this event, which, you know, when I got the call, it was like, well, I like firearms. If you need me to be proficient, I'm not your girl, but if you just want me to like it, (laughs) I'm down. And so this occurs. And I think that the timing, as much as it was like, oh no, it was also like, oh wait, that for me gave me different perspective in the moment. So in that situation, you have options. Just like you spoke on, Tessa, I saw the firearms. I went and shot them. It's an explosion in my hand. It's loud. I don't know. I will say I'm a little crazy. So like, I do think that shit's fun, but it wasn't from this like protect yourself thing. Like I didn't mind going to a range and shooting a gun when the opportunity presented itself because like I'm crazy. (laughs) And but also still with that accompanying that, like I'm not comfortable outside of that super controlled environment with this thing, you know? So yeah, I'll go shoot your gun or like, I'll bring mine that I never do anything with outside of this experience, you know, when I'm in this stall in this way and you tell me to point it there and like, I know that it's loaded. Okay. All right, cool. The situation occurs and I simply watch the footage and think, wow, in this situation, the people here have the opportunity to be a victim, to be prepared and be able to do something about this, or maybe someone saves them. That seems to be the choices. And that's scary. And to think that these things are happening more and more and more. And then I think, you know, because of course, like opening this can of worms for me, like I don't have any sort of affiliation in the firearm industry. And the further I go here, the more like public backlash, which we'll get there because you guys have to deal with that. And that's new to me, you know, is a real thing of these are not just received well, you know, so I'm really taking a look at it going, oh my gosh. But thinking, you know, it's something everybody wants to turn a blind eye to until there's a reason to not be able to turn a blind eye to it anymore. And then it's like, oh, shit. So if firearms are going to be in the hands of people that they shouldn't be, which like thanks to just the world, like that's the case at this time. And so what are we going to do about it? I want to ask you guys, because we're going to get more into some other of that. But I want to ask you, Paige, you've worked with people in person for a long time. Tessa, you've had a lot of experience with people on the internet. And so I want to hear like, what is the coolest when you think of the coolest testimonial? from someone that you've worked with over the years, not your own, because you just told me, but I just know that you guys have a lot of experience hearing stories from others or literally working with individuals who have unique stories. So what is one that comes to mind for you on this topic? I just want to hear one from each of you. 
Wow, on the spot. I don't know if I can do that on the spot. <laughs> There's a couple. And it's not going to be like this amazing Superman or Superwoman story of like, oh, I used my firearm. But part of my job working with Turning Point USA, who's a they're a very conservative organization, is I'm the gun expert. So I talk to people who don't agree with me on this topic. Obviously, we're not going to get into that right now. But it's interesting some of the communication that I had while at the Rose Retreat, not with the women, but online, and some people having specific opinions. So I do this often. However, what I think there's two short ones that I want to share. And one of them is in my hometown. And this is national news. And I'm going to suck because I'm totally put on the spot. I'm, I want to look up his name. But he's a gentleman who over it was last uh, 2022, July, he went over with his family to someone's house at a 4th of July party. A neighbor comes over. They don't really know the neighbor, but did you invite him? Did you invite him? Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's fine. He's a neighbor. Like, come on in. It was one of those situations. Lots of people. And he started open firing on the entire party. Just WTF. And this gentleman who actually has shot at our range, I don't know if he actually purchased the gun at our store, but he was shot in the head and his wife thought he died and he ended up coming to the bullet hit basically his eye socket. He lost his eye, but he was able to stop the shooter after being shot in the head. And it's one of those things where, and a lot of those people at the party, he was expressing that they didn't like guns. They don't like the event. They still want to advocate for gun control or events like this. And it was eye-opening to him because he thought in that moment, they were begging me to stop this person in that moment. And so I think that it was eye-opening and empowering of you don't know when a situation is happening. There's always going to be evil in the world, but we can use this tool to protect ourselves and our family from evil. Another one that is, I think like my other thing that just empowers me and the hard thing with my job is there's a lot of people who disagree. It's like people who fully agree on the side of love guns. There's a side of absolutely no. And then there's this in-between that not a lot of people are touching. And a lot of these people fall into this category or these people you almost profile as, oh, they probably don't like guns because of their skin color or how they dress. You think they're with a specific side. And it's empowering that a lot of my students are like that, but they are so, you know, they have this moment of, I need to protect myself. I don't know. That's a tough one. I have so many stories rolling through my head right now. That's okay. Tessa, you can go. And I said one anyway, so not that you can't tell more than one, but you told one. (laughs) That's okay. Are you asking for basically like a story where someone used their firearm or like stories that are inspiring for people, how they decided to bring a firearm into their world? Whichever speaks to you more, because I think that you've probably heard a lot from people that even though you're not necessarily in the range directly working with them, like creating the content that you do, I would just imagine that you probably get written to about some pretty interesting stuff. So whichever speaks more to you, there's not, I don't want to put confines on that, but just like a cool testimonial in relation to what you do. So I'll respond like in a little bit more of a general sense for, you know, people that are listening and for you, Claire, there's a YouTube channel called Active Self-Protection. And it's literally just thousands of self-defense encounters that are caught on camera. 
And John Korea and his team basically analyze them and share the things that are happening in the scene, the things they could have maybe done better or things they could have brought to the fight that maybe would have helped them, ways that they maybe could have changed the way the trajectory of the incident was going and maybe they wouldn't have even had to use their gun. So that's a really great resource for honestly just learning about what violence is, like what violence looks like and how you can best respond to it. I honestly don't get a lot of people that message me that kind of thing. I think that it's honestly, it's super duper personal. And although I do get personal with people, I mean, I'm teaching them how to like put a gun on their body. It's like pretty intimate, right? But no, I don't have people really that will contact me and like share their stories when they actually had to use a tool. But I will say, I think that I think that there is this misconception that when you decide to carry a gun, it's this like, I don't want to say this wrong that there's like this big dramatic thing that happens or sometimes it is that way. Sometimes it is. There was a shooting and you decide to, you know, carry a gun for that purpose. But most of the people that I've been able to hear their stories or people that I love, like my siblings, you know, not any one thing that was scary happened to them specifically, but just Mm -hmm. an overall awareness that the world is the world. Like the world is the place that we live and there will never like be no violence. You know, like there's mental health issues. There is just honestly bad humans. It's just always going to be a thing. And so I think a lot of people decide to carry a gun just because of an awareness that the world is the way that it is. And Mm. a gun, you know, can be the way that I've heard it before. I forget who first said it, but there are basically situations where you can encounter violence that you might be able to respond with something like pepper spray. Like maybe it's a situation that is, you know, verbal assault that you're thinking this is escalating to, you know, something that's other than verbal. That's a great situation for pepper spray, right? But when a situation demands for a gun, no other tool will do the job, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my general response to that. Not necessarily a specific story, but just that You know, there's awesome resources online where we can go and learn about other people's situations that they've encountered. And we can learn from maybe their mistakes or we can learn from the things they did well. And we can learn about what tools we can bring to a situation to prevent it from ever having to become a gun problem. And there's also tools that we can put in our mind and we can learn how to truly like have good situational awareness and know when maybe I should leave the situation before it gets into something that I might actually have to defend myself. There's so many tools available to us that we can learn how to protect ourselves better and prevent ourselves from ever having to protect ourselves. And speaking to that, Tessa, because there's that concealed carry side and that carrying, and then there's also a large group of people and women who don't want to carry, but just the firearm aspect, it makes me all emotional every time I talk about it. But a lot of my students that I work with either have immense trauma, um, anxiety, dealing with something in their life, but the firearm is an outlet of them just trying to gain control over something in their life. Whether they share that with me or not is one thing, but part of my lesson is that I communicate and gain that relationship with my students so that it's not just, here, let me teach you how to be a badass. It's, I need to figure out your lifestyle and what you want and your goals, because you're not coming to me to tell you this is the box you need to be in with a gun. It's how can I figure out what box you want, and I'll help you get there. And I think the most empowering, oh my gosh, I I freaking love it. The most empowering thing is like, I'll have students who come in, I have one specifically, and she 
I don't want to give too much away of her, obviously, just for her privacy sake, but she was so timid when she came. You know, she's a mom, I believe, like her late 30s, early 40s. And she just wanted to shoot a 22, just wanted to understand the gun. And I said, what's your end goal? Question that I ask all the time. And she goes, I don't know. I don't really want to own one. I just need to figure out if I like this thing or not. And she was so timid when we started. And, you know, an hour at a time here, there, and she started coming more frequently. And there was a shift in not only her personality and her attitude with the gun, but also when she just showed up to lessons. She would sit down and she goes, we're not shooting today. I just need to tell you what has happened. And she's kicking ass at work. She actually was the head of security for the Super Bowl this year. Insane. And she was like, I didn't feel like I could have this much strength and willpower to deal with all of these powerful men and women. And I'm just this timid person. And she's like, I just feel strong. I feel like I could do anything. And she just, her explanation of how she's navigating this life, and not that I'm saying guns do that, but the power that you feel with a gun and a recoil is also a metaphorical power going back into your body that I have visually seen in women. And it is the most empowering, uplifting feeling as an instructor. I mean, that's why I do it. And that alone, I've had multiple women express that to me and not only express it, but I have seen it. It's not just, okay, I'm going to learn this tool. This tool can be how you gain control over your life or how you feel in control to deal with your anxiety or something to decompress you after work. It can also be something that empowers you to compete or learn a new skill or bond with your spouse over. And it's an activity and it's a sport. And that's kind of how I start most of my lessons is don't think of this as like, you have to go out there and save the world because that's a heavy thing. We're dealing with a lot of other shit here. Let's just learn the tool. And I see this power go into them. One, Claire, I think what you mentioned is once you educate, that empowerment just comes in. The fear goes away. And that fear goes away with a lot of other things in your lifestyle or in your life. The firearm is just where you start. And it's the coolest. I wish I could like record it. Oh, it's just the coolest feeling. I think that's that's a big one. I want to jump off of that really quick. Um, <laughs> I think there's a couple of thoughts there. So when you say that it leads to that look on their face, that moment of inspiration, that moment of empowerment, that is because they're learning something, right? Like they're learning how to do it well. And I think that a lot of beginners, right? They go to their first class with a firearms instructor. They didn't know how to vet that firearms instructor. They just were like, I need someone to teach me how to shoot a gun. And sometimes they are not met with a good instructor and they don't learn how to shoot a gun well. And it winds up being the opposite of an empowering experience. And they never want to touch a gun ever again. I think that being an instructor for beginners is probably one of the like highest callings there is in the firearms instruction world because you see the most amount of students, like you see the most amount of new people and you are basically their deciding factor on if they're going to continue or not. So, you know, you're getting to teach these people how to actually shoot it well and they're not, you know, necessarily experiencing like pain from the recoil. They're not getting the negative side of it. They're just getting that empowering side. So I think there's something to be said for that, right? Like finding a fires instructor that is going to actually teach you how to shoot well is huge. But the other piece I want to add is that's been my experience, right? I've, you know, since I started shooting and specifically since I started taking classes with instructors, 
I think I'm like, in the last two years, I think I've done over 200 hours or formal firearms classes. And over that period of time, while also pursuing competition like USPSA, IDPA stuff, it has empowered me. And the reason that I feel that way is because I'm doing it well. And I know why I'm doing it well. And I also know when I don't do it well, I know why I'm not doing it well. And that's what is empowering about it is the understanding of it. And Claire, I think that a lot of people that are stepping into the gym for the first time, they don't know why they're lifting this thing. They don't know why they're doing this movement. And they don't know why they aren't losing weight. They don't know why they're not gaining the muscle that they want to do. And when they don't get results from it, they don't want to do it anymore, right? And the same thing happens with things like martial arts. If you don't get the learning aspect of it and you don't grow from it, it's not empowering, right? right? And so I just, I have been empowered through this experience because I learned how to do it well. Same thing, I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I started learning how to do the moves right and getting results from it. And same thing with exercise, like learning how to do it better and do it differently and do it the way that works for my body. That's what's empowering is learning how to do it well. And we disempower, is that a word? Disempower people so. when we give them incorrect information. When we share suboptimal information or we share things that aren't true or we maybe don't know enough about the topic or whatever, we do the opposite of empowering people. We might actually turn them off from that empowering experience. I love that perspective. And you can also disempower, assuming that that is a word, which I think it is, people by inundating them with too much. Mm -hmm. And so even if it's not incorrect information, but you overwhelm them, mm -hmm. then you disempower mm -hmm. them because now they feel defeated and they feel like they are incapable of winning because where they are right now and where they are trying to go is so far apart. Yep. And the way in which you are delivering the message is a way that cannot be applied mm -hmm. well. So there's also that, but I love the parallel because it's certainly absolutely the whole weekend that we were there. All I was thinking about is like, you know, I often say I empower people with a barbell is like my favorite, but I mean, there's all these options, but I love barbell. Uh, anyway, you know, because for me, and now mind you, this is a whole other level of empowerment. It's totally different in what it applies to. I feel strongly that when I feel like I can proficiently move an implement such as a barbell in different positions over my head, on my back, wherever with like significant load, like I feel like a bad bitch. Okay. Yeah. And that is so empowering. And from somebody who never played sports growing up and all the years that I moved very poorly with all of that, to be in a position today to get to coach people through that and teach them how to move well with those things is wildly empowering. And then this is just a whole other level. So yes, all of those parallels the whole weekend, I was like, oh my gosh. So this is what I do just in different form. And the coaching bit of it, I love that you're touching on that, you know, getting a good coach is important. So I'm going to ask this next question, which I love that it's just where we're feeding into because the timing here is chef's kiss, is that what would you each say to someone who is not sure that this is a good idea, but they're interested enough that they're still tuned in and they have loads of fear around firearms because that's the reality that most people are living in. So just what would you say to an individual who is like, tiptoeing around the idea of an entry point and feels overwhelmed, that the primary piece you could give them that, hey, this is what I would encourage you to do. As somebody who's been here doing this thing for a bit, here's what I have to say to you. What would you say to them? Tessa, do you want to go? Yeah, I think so. Let's see if I can put these thoughts together. My initial thoughts are, <clears throat> you can be asking this question of like, somebody who's afraid to conceal carry 
or are they afraid to bring a gun into their world? Because I think those are generally not necessarily different people, but there are different walks or different mm. spots. I think my answer can kind of speak to both. Nothing that I would say to them could convince them to do whatever I think the right answer is. For somebody that's considering bringing a gun into their home for the first time, they're considering owning a gun for the first time, or somebody who's owned a gun and they're considering putting it on their body and carrying it with them for the first time. I think it's such a personal decision. I was married to my husband for over a year and engaged, I think, for two and a half years. And, you know, he certainly wanted me to carry a gun. Like I was the person that he loved the most in the world. He wanted me to be safe, but he wasn't going to convince me to do it. You know, he wasn't going to convince me to bring a gun into my world and carry it on my body because there's so much responsibility that comes with deciding to do that. There is also risk that's introduced into your world when you decide to own a gun or carry a gun. And I'm not saying that to scare people off, right? I don't want to scare people away from gun ownership or carrying guns. But I think like we've kind of been talking about, if we don't give people all the information, they can't make an informed and proper decision, honestly. And they can ultimately wind up being worse off. I kind of explained this a couple of times at the Rose Retreat, but my general thoughts are that basically when you bring a gun into your world, you add risk. Like you do, you add risk in your life. And we do things to mitigate that risk by following the rules of firearm safety. That's why those things exist so that we can, okay, we've brought this risk into our lives. Now we need to level it back down. We need to bring that risk down by following the rules of firearm safety proper, you know, and safe storage, carrying in a proper holster, all these things bring that risk down to a reasonable level, right? Mm -hmm. For somebody who is asking me, what should I do? Like, I'm terrified to carry a gun. I'm terrified to own a gun. My answer to that is please educate yourself. Please take a class with a good instructor. And honestly, outlining what a good instructor is, is like an entire podcast episode. Honestly, it's an entire series. I did like a series with another podcast where we interviewed a bunch of instructors. It's tough to outline that quickly, but mm -hmm. please seek education, take free education online, take a class with a firearms instructor. More information is good. Going into firearms ownership, going into concealed carry with little information, honestly, in my opinion, is only going to harm you. I think that the answer for me to that person would be education. I love that. And it's exactly what you said. There's so many free resources out there. It's unbelievable. And then not free, right? Go ahead and do the free because it's amazing if you can find quality education such as your channel on YouTube. But then also paying for a service is wildly important, such as paying for an instructor like Paige to actually spend the hands-on time with you. Like they are both highly relevant. Anyway, Paige, go ahead. Yeah, obviously, definitely education. My biggest thing is signing up for a class is one thing, but if you... Claire, you're talking about someone who has fear for the tool or fear to step in, take it in little, little bites. And I'd highly recommend a one hour private lesson and see if I compare it to therapy. You don't know, you know, the person might have really good qualifications, but you might not click with that person. So don't invest a ton of money. Just take a little dabble, taste a couple instructors out and see who fits for you. But start with a one-on-one -on -one private lesson where it is at your pace. You're not worried about other people. It's not, you know, you're able to control the tone of that lesson or a good instructor should allow you to control that tone and make you feel empowered to make a decision of, I don't want to touch the gun right now, or I do. And even if you decide, I don't know if this thing is for me, 
I have fear for it. The best thing that you could do is at least learn how to, one, learn the firearm safety rules, but also learn how to know if the firearm is loaded or unloaded or not, because that right there gives you control. For instance, we were at a restaurant in Phoenix a couple months ago and a guy, there was a gun left in an individual stall in the men's restroom. And thankfully there was enough of us who knew what to do. But if you were in that moment or if you have fear, you put yourself in that situation, think about how you would respond to that. And if you go out with fear, the first step is let's just know how to pick up the gun safely know the safety rules and unload it. And you don't have to shoot it. You don't have to like it, but that right there empowers you. And then start there, see how you feel and make a decision on what pathway you want to take. That's the first step. You don't have to think of how am I going to get to conceal carry or how am I going to get to shooting competition or carrying this thing or having this thing in my home or purchasing one. Like, let's just start with, if you come across one, what do you do? I love that. I could not love that more. And the odds of somebody coming across a firearm randomly in a public bathroom are like not high, but clearly it happened. It happens. It can happen. And then I have heard you speak about that. And I'm so glad that you did. And you opened it up for feedback about what would people do. And you guys questioned yourselves with what's the right action. It was a really cool thing to observe. And just like so many things in life, is there one clear right answer? I don't know. You know, you just do the very best that you can. And thankfully you guys were educated and tried to think through all possible scenarios and do the best action that you could take in that moment. And so from there, I think let's go ahead and head straight to now. That's been really, really helpful. And guys, I'm going to put their stuff in the show notes. And so if you're listening and you want more education, like there's going to be stuff in the show notes for you to go get more of that, as well as their socials where you can connect with them and just consume more of their stuff. So that's all going to be there. But I want to now pivot to something that we're all kind of interested in. (laughs) So, well, let me ask you real quick. What is both of your current concealed carry situation? What is the holster? What, how are you carrying? Quickly run me through what that looks like for each of you, because this is proof that this is different for each individual. And then we're going to go somewhere kind of fun. Totally different. So, okay. Depends on my outfit because I like switching things up just like shoes, but I carry right now a SIG 365X. I also love Glock and I'm sorry, but I just learned how to shoot and I do very well with Glock. But right now I carry a 365X and then I have a Kydex holster, so a plastic holster by Eclipse Holsters. And what I love about that is that she's female owned. She's incredible. And I carry their Delta or their Intrepid. Depends on if I'm wearing a belt or not. Delta is going to be with a belt. Intrepid is going to be without a belt. And my lazy way of carrying is honestly SIG, the Rose Retreat. They have a fanny pack with a Kydex holster in it. I carry that a lot of the time because if I want to be lazy and just clip that on and keep it on me, it's better than not having it. Tess is a little bit more in depth. I'll try not to be though. So I carry the exact same thing every single day. I don't change my holster. I will change my gun every once in a while. Usually for like, if I do change my gun, it's like from winter to summer kind of thing. But I carry a P365 with a Holosun, which is an optic. So I carry with a Holosun 507K on that. But I like the 407K better in case anybody's wondering. And I also have like a customized Boresight grip module on there, which adds some ergonomics to the grip that makes it much easier to shoot. It's a tiny little gun and it's snappy. And adding that little customization piece for my hand really helps me shoot that smaller gun better. As far as my holster goes, I carry in a 
Filster Holsters Enigma Express, the P365 one. And I have some uh, customizations on it. So I have a sport belt on it. I have a reduced size buckle on it. And I have a gutted paracord leg leash on it. This is all just probably like gibberish. One thing I want to say about that is that my holster uh, process was a big part of my journey. Like choosing the holster that I was going to carry was a huge part of my journey. And I was kind of figuring that out for the first year and a half, year-ish. And the Enigma became a thing, like kind of a new invention. It became a thing, I think, in 2020. And I started carrying it back then. I've been carrying the Enigma for almost two and a half years now. But I do work for the company now. So I chose that holster and I started carrying it as a customer. I started sharing about it on my YouTube channel and educating their customers about their product. And they were like, we should probably pay you for that. (laughs) And so they asked me to come work for them. And so I work for Filster Holsters now. And the reason I'm sharing that is because full disclosure, right? So I wanted full disclosure. I, I came to it as a normal person, but I do work for the company now. I love it. And ultimately the idea that you get paid for something you're into is like super cool. So there's nothing wrong with that. And it's like, you disclosed it. You good to go. Okay. As far as more information about that listener, because that was complete gibberish. If you don't know what the hell that was, which most of us probably don't is uh, yet again, I will say that specifically for Tessa setup yet again, you can go to her YouTube channel. She has videos about it that go into like lengthy details. So that was a very, very like condensed version of just get it to you quickly. We don't want to hang out there for too long, but you can get the full version there. And Paige, I'm sure, is more than happy to explain if needed any details about hers and as well as her Instagram and so on, where you can just learn a lot more about all of her stuff. So anyway, it's all there. You can find more about it there. Now let's head on to something that we spoke about at the Rose Retreat. And I simply was like, I mean, I feel like it makes sense, but because like it's fitness and like that's my (laughs) thing. But the tactical games. (laughs) Uh, You have to do it. Ah, so Paige, actually, Tessa, you have been doing competition shooting, but you have not done a tactical games, right? I have definitely not done tactical games. <laughs> okay. Those people um, are lifting things that weigh what I do. Those sandbags are heavy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there are different levels to it though. So like there are, you know, there's, more there's, intermediate beginner levels, yep. which Paige, you attempted to do it and then they told you you weren't allowed to and you had to do more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I had never done a competition and I don't know if I would count this as like, it's not a shooting competition. However, it's two days and it's all around the country. It's called Tactical Games. And I think their Instagram is The Tactical Games. And it is CrossFit and shooting. And it's rifle and pistol. And it's two days of all these different workouts. And there are, you know, you're separated into your division, men, women. There's intermediate, tactical, and elite are the main categories. So I just being who I am, I said, go big or go home. I wanted to do a competition last year and challenge myself to just do something that is not in my comfort zone. Also with the firearms industry and a lot of industries, you can kind of get stuck in like your own little click. And I wanted to be friends with everyone. So I was like, I want to go down this avenue and this avenue and really make my name known and show women that, hey, I'm going to suck at this, but I'm going to challenge myself to do a very, very hard thing and grow from it. So I signed up for tactical games. I did the intermediate one because I knew with my travel schedule and my work schedule, I wouldn't be able to train as much as I wanted to. I knew the shooting aspect, I was good. But the fitness aspect, I've done CrossFit in the past. I felt very comfortable with the movements. The weight, though, was really the biggest decision of why I did intermediate. Mm -hmm. My goal was to not die. 
then I met some of the head people of Tactical Games, and they found out who I was, regretfully. Then they said, why are you doing intermediate? And I said, guys, I've never done this before. So two days before the games, they said, pick up these sandbags. And I was like, oh, crap. So I start picking up a bunch of sandbags and they're prepping for the games right now. No one is there. And I pick up all the sandbags except one. It was a, I think, 150 pound sandbag. I could not pick it up. I mean, it's more than my way. And That's like, my deadlift. Can't lift heavier than that. It's a bus. Yeah. And they were like, okay, you're definitely going to move up to the tactical division because the 150 that you can't lift is a woman's elite. And I was like, I'm not doing elite. That is not a thing. Uh-uh, not happening. So next day comes around, I tell my family I'm doing the tactical division, which I was excited for. And I show up and I'm checking in. It's at 45 minutes before the first workout starts. And the head of tactical games comes up and he goes, I go, oh no. And he goes, pick up this sandbag. And it was a 125 pound sandbag. And I pick it up and he goes, walk with it. I was like, so I start walking with it. And he goes, okay, put it down. And he goes, that's women's elite. We dropped the weight because not a lot of women could do the 150. You're in women's Mm -hmm. elite. Your workout starts in 30 minutes. And I was just jaw dropped. Now I could have, right? We make a decision with everything. I could have said, absolutely not. I have a reputation to uphold. I need to place. I need to beat and smoke all these people to prove something. Or I could say, I came to the games to be challenged and to do something I've never done before. And they're making damn sure that I'm challenged and do something that I've never done before. So I ended up competing with a bunch of CrossFit Games athletes. Margot Alvarez and I are actually very good friends now. She's amazing, but she was a games athlete. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. She ended up helping me on the fitness side and yelling at me the entire time. I was helping her on the shooting side. I ended up being the top female shooter of all divisions. They have a shooting aggregate that I got first in. So that was like, okay, great. But it was incredible. And yeah, I would do it again. And now I can't go anything lower than elite. So I'm going to have to do a little training. (laughs) But I ended up qualifying for nationals. I didn't go. I actually had to hunt during nationals, but I qualified, which was incredible. That's so cool. That's, I love that story. Of course, I love like the idea of, being pushed. My very first coach with CrossFit literally made me do a competition like two months into it. And I was so bad. There was only one girl at place lower than me and Lord love her, but like, it was an awful decision to be in that division anyway, for both of us, to be honest. But like the belief in, you know what I mean? If he was like, yeah, no, that's where you belong. And I'm like, you're psycho. Mm -hmm. And I did it and I didn't die. And then I increased my capacity, you know? (laughs) So it's like a cool thing where it's like, did you put yourself in it? So with this whole tactical games thing for me, I'm like, well, I have a steep learning curve. And the reality is that if, when, which we're looking at some dates anyway, if, when I go do this thing, then I'm like, the reality is that I'm probably going to get in that situation and feel whatever I feel. And the idea of shooting with any sort of speed and accuracy together is foreign for me. And so identifying the fact that like, anytime you show up as the new person in the room and anything, like you're going to have a learning curve. And then you put it in a competitive setting and Tessa, because you've been doing competitive shooting, it may not be tactical games. However, you've been doing a lot of IDPA, right? And USP. Yeah. And so those are shooting competitions. And I'm sure that you can probably attest to the fact that there's something about whenever that thing goes off and you're like, oh, shoot, you know, like everything just kind of freaks out inside of you and you'd like do it totally wrong. And 
I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories already and I'm new here, you know, about dropping magazines and literally like jamming and just being a hot mess. So I anticipate the reality that like, is it going to go flawlessly for me? Probably not. Like if you want to start doing something, you need to be okay with being the novice in the room and being uncomfortable is a really good place to be in life in general. And so I'm peace with the fact that like, okay, if I sign up to do this thing, I just need to get ready for the fact that like, who knows what's going to happen. But if you don't start, you'll never know. If you don't put forth the effort and put yourself in the arena, then you're not like, you don't get the opportunity to get better at it. So whatever. All right. Fine. Get ready for the funny stories. Show, I'll let you guys yeah. know. <laughs> Absolutely. Show vulnerability and you'll empower someone else to do it. Cause not a lot of women do tactical games. Not a lot of women do competition in itself because it's very intimidating. So we need right. more women out there. Right. Yeah. I will say that I think in shooting competition, aside from tactical games, USPSA, IDPA, PCSL, there's so many different disciplines you can get into. But I will say that I think that that is the fastest way to pursue proficiency. I'm not saying that you should like, I never shot a gun before. I'm going to go to a match. In order to attend a match, all you need to do is be safe. That's all they want you to show up with. They want you to show up knowing how to keep your gun pointed in a safe direction. They want you to just know the basics of firearm safety. And if your gear is all set up within the rules, that's great. But if you show up with stuff that's like, oh, that isn't allowed in this type of competition, you're like, oh, this is my first time. As long as you're not at a major match, they're going to be supportive of that. And they're going to cheer you on and give you pointers. And Claire, for you, I would strongly suggest before doing tactical games, before you're doing a competition where you're basically exhausting yourself physically and then demanding things of yourself mentally with a gun in your hand, I would highly suggest putting yourself into a couple of USPSA competitions. They're fun. They can be low key and they can really like light a fire under your butt. Like they show you, wow, just what is possible with a gun. You'll see people go through those stages and then you'll do it and you'll realize, oh my gosh, that is such a level of proficiency I didn't even know was possible. I want to do that. And I didn't think that I could ever do anything like that. I think I cried the first two times that I went to a match, not because it was bad or anything, but because the social anxiety was just too much. Like to be the only girl with a small gun, like it just was too much for me. But I kept going. I was uncomfortable and I pushed past that discomfort. And I would not be the shooter that I am right now had I not pushed past that discomfort and started pursuing competition. And I think you can probably attest to that, like what you just said with your fitness, right? Like putting yourself into a competition really shows you what you're capable of. It really causes you to push yourself. And I think it helps you raise the bar a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And you get clear insight on what to work on, what you're doing well, what you can improve, all of that comes out really clearly when you put yourself in some sort of competitive setting. So I feel like that probably translates. And as far as the competition shooting goes, just I did a handful of years ago, date a guy briefly that was a master IDPA shooter. IDPA? USPSA? I don't know. He did both. Whatever. <laughs> he was a master shooter. He was really good. And I went to like one or two and I was like, oh. And that was the experience for me of going, and here I thought I was comfortable with my weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that I have seen you all behave in that way, I have figured out. I don't know shit. <laughs> but I yeah, still feel you, that way. Yeah. It's crazy what some people can do. But anyway, okay. So that's just kind of like a fun little bit of like, you can take this and do something with it fun, which is something that like you've both chosen to do, even though it originated more basic level stuff, which is where it should originate, such as education and that individualized coaching. And I just love how beautifully this translates from like the world that I live in to this world. So 
I really do appreciate you too. I want to ask you one other question and then I always end with gratitudes. But before I go there, I want to ask one more specific question, which is, and I know we're kind of getting there on time, so I'm sorry. How do you guys handle backlash publicly, right? Because you've chosen to be public about this. But also, I mean, I know that Paige, your family, you came up in it. So probably there's a lot of acceptance there, but maybe somewhere there's not. So just with like, not only strangers on the internet, but people that you know and care about, realistically, with a topic such as this, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of emotions that get involved. And so just how do you two deal with that? I don't get a whole lot of it, right? Like I get a ton of negativity in YouTube comments, but that's just YouTube, right? Like that's just the nature of doing anything on the internet. You're going to get people that disagree with you or people that just disagree to disagree, you know, and do so in a very negative way. So there's that aspect of it. Really, the way that I've dealt with that is through education, honestly. I either won't respond to them because it's not worth my time to respond to that level of negativity, or I'll respond to them with education. If I think that they actually do want an answer, even though they're approaching it in a negative way, I will respond with education. And sometimes that does go really well, and they're enlightened by that experience. I actually just had an, an experience in person. I wouldn't call it backlash, but this person, my barista, I like, I go to a coffee shop. I'm a regular. I ordered the weird drink. And my barista like knows who I am when I walk in the door, but I actually don't tell people in my world that I do gun stuff. Like I have good friends of mine that I spend my time with that don't know that I do gun stuff. I generally keep it on the down low. And this person on this particular day caught me at a moment where I was happy to share. And he said, what do you do for a living? And I was like, I actually work in the gun industry. And he was like, (laughs) clearly very uncomfortable with it. And he immediately sprung into, I used to be really anti-gun. Like he felt like he had to confess this to me. You know, I used to think like that people shouldn't own them and all of these things, sharing all these things that he kind of felt. And I could tell that we probably didn't necessarily have a lot of common ground in the area. My response to him was, you know, at the end of the day, you are a person and you are valuable and you absolutely deserve the right to defend yourself, whether you agree with my politics or not. Unfortunately, because of the world that we live in today, you know, a firearm is a useful tool to have in order to level the playing field, in order to defend yourself. I think that you have value. And I think that if you choose to, you should have the right to be able to defend yourself, right? And he received that really well. So a lot of the time when I have disagreement, it is in person. And I appreciate that because I can relate to people. And honestly, like this might sound weird, but like care about them, like love on them in the Mm -hmm. way that I respond to them instead of meeting them with like, well, you shouldn't disagree with me about this or that or this because it's my this, that, and this. It's actually, you're really valuable. And I think that this is a way that you can, you know, protect yourself well, if you so choose to. So that's kind of my two cents. I love it. There's a couple different ways. I'm grateful that on my Instagram, I really don't like Tessa. I don't receive backlash. I don't filter my comments unless someone I can count on one hand, how many times I've had to delete a comment just because it was so nasty. But otherwise, if people don't agree, I don't care. The comment is the comment. That's your First Amendment right to do so. And I don't need to have my platform for everyone to agree on with me. Everything kind of transitioned with working for Turning Point USA because Turning Point USA is either love or hated. And I had to be okay with that. I speak on a lot of college campuses about the Second Amendment. That's a main part of my job. I've had to have a full police detail on me. There are speakers like me who have been assaulted. So... With that, I think I learned a lot of just finding 
outlets and not focusing on that and just coming to peace with it is not my job to tell you until I turn blue of why you need to protect yourself. But when you're ready, I'm open to that. And everyone has their own reasons. I used to actually, I fly a lot. I used to tell people that I was a hairstylist until they asked me a ton of different questions. And I was like, oh, God. I can't lie. I'm such a bad liar. I was like, oh, I'm a hairstylist. But it's it's hard because you're sitting on a plane with someone for, you know, well over an hour, two hours plus, depending on where you're going. And they could either really support it or it gets really awkward. And I realized, you know, I'm definitely on the education and the Second Amendment side. And I realized that if I'm sitting on a plane or sitting somewhere and someone asks what I do, if I lie, I feel like I'm shameful of it. Mm -hmm. And that right there, if I just say, hey, I'm a firearms instructor, love it or hate it is what I say now. (laughs) I say, you're either going to love it or hate it, but I'm a firearms instructor. Regardless, it puts that idea that firearms are for old dudes and cargo like this. Yeah, it's, oh, I would have never guessed that. And you can agree with me or not. And I've become comfortable with that. I've gotten most backlash from sitting on an airplane next to someone. But hey, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. So you can have the conversation or not. I became okay with that. And with the other backlash, I just find, you know, like with social media and everything, I set timers on my phone. So I don't go on social media for after 7 p.m. I have an amazing assistant who works through all the messages so that I don't have to see if there are negative ones. She just filters them out unless there's one that she feels like I need to respond to, which helps my mental health state. There's all those different avenues that I've chosen to take just so that I don't get in that negative space because for what Tessa and I do, it it can happen very quickly. Yeah. I love that it's only awkward if you make it awkward (laughs) because that's relatable for me with the sobriety thing. Yeah. I approach sobriety, I feel, in such a fun way. You know, I remember watching some friends when I before I got sober who were sober who at times would struggle to navigate conversations with people about the topic. And so I remember when I got sober being like, oh my gosh, is that what that's going to be like? And anyway, it's been really fun to like discover that like, oh, if I just have a good time with this because like I'm comfortable with this and like, we're good. Like I'm not partying like that because trust me, you don't want me to. I don't want me to. If it's said in that manner, then like I take the power out of it. And it's not this like shameful thing, but that journey for each individual on that topic is very different, very personalized, very personal. And I totally understand that, but I feel very grateful that I'm like, yeah, I'm good with this detail. It's how you deliver it for sure. Right. And so it just kind of takes the air out of the thing. So, okay. And that is helpful because of course me being new here and exploring this thing, I'm certainly curious about that selfishly. So thank you both for sharing your perspective on it. So, okay. Let's wrap with the three things. I always like to ask the guests, what are three things that you are grateful for each day? So each of you, I want you to say three things that you are grateful for today. They can be simple. They can be elaborate, but just simply three things that you're grateful for today. Oh gosh. I mean, I'm easily grateful for my family. I wouldn't be here without my family. Literally. I would say my family, my community for sure, but also I'm grateful for And my community being you ladies, like, you know, my community is growing because of this, but also I'm very grateful for, I learned patience and vulnerability at a very young age. I have basically two moms, a mom and a stepmom who raised me. And I am so grateful that I have that trait at a very young age. And I think that's where this has gotten me. There was not really a me 
in this industry. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'm glad that I leveraged that because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if, if that wasn't the case. I have no idea how to pick three. <laughs> oh my gosh. The first three. Okay, the first three. Well, honestly, I'm so thankful for the faith that I get to have in Jesus. That's probably number one for me. And I'm thankful for the hills and the valleys that have come through and from that. I'm so thankful for my husband. He is my greatest support and he helps me in just so many ways and he loves me so well. Third thing, I'm thankful for all of the babies in my family. I don't have any babies of my own, but I'm so thankful for my eight nieces and nephews. Oh yeah, I'm like the cool auntie. I'm the youngest of the four girls. So I'm the cool auntie to eight nieces and nephews. I have three sisters, my mom, and I'm just thankful for all of the people and the faith and the hills and the valleys and all those things today. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I always say mine as well. I was going to say, what are yours? Oh, don't worry. We go there. (laughs) Sometimes I actually write them down in advance. And today I have not done that. So we'll just see what happens. So my gratitude, I am going to kind of cheat off of your homework. Sorry, Paige. But just I am grateful for the opportunity to have you all's time. Like what you have chosen to do, the homework that you have done, like it is such a gift that you choose to share. And so to get to be a peer to you in some way and also be a student of yours in some way and all of that is just like, it's a gift to me. And so I feel very grateful for you taking the time to be here and share with my community, your experiences and to share your time. So I'm grateful for you both. I am grateful for box breathing. It's like you breathe four seconds in, hold for four seconds, breathe four yeah. seconds out, hold for four seconds. Yes. Anyway, I have really been trying to like grapple with meditation. Like I spend time being mindful. I do a lot of different things that are just like totally kick-ass benefits to my lifestyle, right? But meditation is just like this weird thing that I'm like, ah, I don't even know what do you do there. So box breathing has been a really cool tool for me to utilize to like do the whole, you know, think things, observe the thought, let the thought go thing. Like you hear people say that and if you don't practice it, you're like, I love it. It's so good. It's doable. Like I think that that's the thing is often meditation or even breath work. I live in Austin, Texas. And let me tell you, breath work here, you might pass out. I don't know. They'd be doing some stuff. And so it's crazy. And so like when people say like they're doing a breathwork thing, I'm like, I don't think I'm going because I'm like scared of what it's going to be. There are many variations of and some are more intense than others. Anyway, I like the box breathing thing because it's approachable and it's something that has been impactful positively for me recently. And then third, I am grateful for having a boyfriend who is amazing and loves me very well, but like feeds me. Yeah. That man feeds me. And I'm about to hop off of here and have some venison that he made. And he is just so good about making sure that this girl stays well fed. And I appreciate him for that. So love it. Uh, <laughs> have some venison okay. for us. Yeah. I know that this has been long. So thank you so much for your time. Guys, if you are still listening, all of their details are going to be in the show notes. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed something about this episode and got something out of it, we have to ask that you please follow the show, rate and review it wherever you're consuming it, and share it with someone that you think that it will positively impact. And other than that, we hope that you have a beautiful day.